one news talk station. FM 96.3 and AM 620. WVMT Burlington. Welcome back to the Morning Drive, everybody. Kurt and Anthony here, and we are thrilled now to have with us, joining us for the first time on the Morning Drive, presidential candidate and senator from South Carolina, Senator Tim Scott. Good morning, Senator Scott. Good morning, good morning. Thanks, y'all, both for having me on the radio. Looking forward to having a conversation with both of you, Kurt and Anthony. Absolutely. And, Senator, I understand you're in uh, the uh, first in the nation primary state this morning. I am excited to wake up and... The great state of New Hampshire. It's uh, already a good day. Now, are you going to be there for a couple of days? What's the itinerary? Uh, so I will be today. I'll be at the windmill uh, in Concord, and then later on this afternoon, I'll do politics and pies at the Phoenix Hall. So if anyone's in anywhere near either location, please feel free to come see us. Politics Maybe a little and pies. bit of a tie, but it'll be worth it. Oh yeah, definitely. And, and New Hampshire's not that far away. Uh, uh, I like the idea of, of politics and pie. Well, I like sweet potato pie. I like apple pie. I actually like sugar, and that's always in pie. So it's a good thing. <laughs> there you, well, the, I'll tell you what. My co-host, Kurt, uh, it, I'm the savory guy. He's the sweet guy. He's he's mad about fudge, but he's a sugar guy, too. <laughs> I love it. I love it. So, Senator, you're going to be there for, what you say, a couple of days, two or three days? I mean, I'm there all day today. I'm, I'm back uh Next week after next, I'm back again for a couple of days. All right. It's great to have you in the region. That's for sure. Now, Senator Scott, um, the debate the other night, big debate. Uh, what's your thoughts coming out of that? You know, I was excited about the debate stage. It really is a blessing to have a chance to talk about the goodness of America. Being a kid who grew up in a single-parent household, mired in poverty in a tough neighborhood, I will say walking on that stage reminded me of how good this country is and how great it is to experience the American dream. I had a chance, to, in my opinion, to try to be the adult in the room. It was a food fight without any question. Uh, one of the biggest winners on the, on the debate stage was Joe Biden because we didn't really get to the priorities of the American people, and, and that's a real challenge. And I hope that the next debate that I've qualified for on uh, September 27th will have a chance to have a serious conversation about the underlying issues that put us in peril because of the reckless leadership of joe biden did it so it did frustrate you that you didn't get to enough issues in your opinion and it was too much caught up in the sniping back and forth by some of the candidates yeah for me it really was it was a a distraction from the underlying issues that we face as a nation think about the fact that we've lost seventy thousand americans because of fentanyl and frankly every county in this nation is a border county because every county nearly is lost someone to fentanyl, something that we could actually prevent if we had a conversation about stopping the precursors that come from China, land in a Mexican lab, manufacture it there, and then the cartels bring it across our borders. Instead of doing that, we, we had a food fight. Instead of having a conversation about the impact of $10,000 of lost spending power because of Bidenomics, we had a food fight. I would love to have a serious conversation about the greatest nation on earth and why it is that we need to focus on what creates another American century. Were you, were you, did it irritate you at all with you, of course, talk in inspirational messages about your own biography and about the country? And Mike Pence did sort of take that same tact, but you had a couple of candidates that spoke more in dark terms. Uh, Vivek Ramaswamy was one, it seemed to, but he also, uh, 
basically took a shot at all of you on stage. And I just wanted to get what, what went through your mind when you heard him say that he was the only candidate on stage not bought and paid for. I thought it was laughable, to be honest with you. I mean, think about the fact that he's talking about campaign contributions. Literally, the guy on the stage who, who made his money in corporate America supporting DEI, Vivek Ramaswamy. And so his, his comment was ridiculous. But when you're only there to be the showman and not serious about the underlying issues, it's one of the challenges that you see on a debate stage where sometimes you're rewarded with more time not by being provocative, but just, but, but just by the show that you put on. Now, Senator Scott, let me ask you this. We, we have a, there's an issue. We have issues here about uh, people living in tents. It's across the country, too, in San Francisco. It's turned into tent city, a lot of other places. Now, one of your uh, messages that you put out uh, is, if you're an able-bodied citizen, you work. Can you talk about that a little bit? How do you, as president... How do you make that happen, putting more people back to work and not having people just live off uh, of government? Well, there's two ways that you do that. You have to restore all the work requirements to our social programs. If you are eligible for a social benefit from the federal government, the question we should ask first, what have you done to take care of yourself first? I think, as I said in my closing argument, so to speak, that my mother worked 16-hour days as a nurse's assistant, which means she just rolled patients and changed bedpans. It was not a glorious job. For a slightly more than minimum wage, she was able to support her two kids. I got to say, if you are able-bodied in America, you should work. And so if you can work, then you should be looking for a job, and we must restore those work requirements to our social benefits. It's actually the most compassionate thing that we can do as a nation is to restore the dignity of work for those who should be eligible work because they can't. Well, it is pretty frustrating as uh, as somebody who uh, works a lot, um, self-employed, uh, and uh, I, I work with a group of younger folks. Uh, there is a there is after they work, they feel a sense of accomplishment, and and I think that, that you you know publicly saying that uh, is refreshing and. Uh, the other thing that you mentioned were, were sports, and uh, the, in your closing arguments, you you uh, you managed to bring in some things that hadn't gotten discussed. Uh, how how did when you were standing there thinking about your closing arguments, what why why what what motivated you to to bring that up? Yeah, so for me, it was it was thinking about what our country is struggling with, and and I have so many friends who have. 13 and 14 and 15 year olds who are sitting at kitchen tables and uh, at night talking to their parents uh, about the challenges that they're seeing in schools. And we had a couple women, one specifically a swimmer, who came before the Senate uh, and, and talked about the frustration she had of literally working her entire young life to compete as a, <clears throat> as a fierce swimmer and then to lose the competition to someone who was born a man. And so the question is, if we are for fairness, then God made you a man, play sports against men. I think that's common sense, by the way, and it's something that's shared by the, the, the like, overwhelming majority of female athletes seem to come to the same conclusion, that they want a competitive environment that is fair. And, and, and I think about being a college athlete. I played college football for a year. I wasn't that good, but I thank God that I had a small scholarship that helped me get into college. And I will say that 
the strength and and the, the just the way that God designed the body for 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 a male is just stronger most consistently and on a field of competition I should play sports against other guys who have the same advantage that I've had all my life right Senator Scott one of the things you talk about also is education and the magic of education uh governor Glenn Youngkin in Virginia one in large part due to the issue of education and frustration of parents. What, as president, do you think needs to change in regards to education in America? Well, one of the things we have to do is put the focus back on the state and local school districts. I believe that every child deserves a chance. That means their parents have to have a choice. And the way we do that from a federal perspective is to take the two major buckets of money that come from the federal government, Title I for poor, underperforming schools, Title II for kids with special needs. Give those parents in those areas those dollars, put it into a figurative backpack, and wherever the kid goes, let the money follow. If we want to erase the disparities in our, erase the disparities in our country, it has less to do with the color of your skin and more to do with your economic reality. And so if we give poor parents in rural parts of the country or the inner cities, the resources to make the best decision that they can for their kids, our entire nation will benefit. And we have to break the backs of teachers' unions. And that means having competition. In comp- with competition, the quality goes up and the price typically goes down. Senator, let's uh, grab a phone call for you. Good morning. You're live yeah. on the morning drive with uh, Senator Tim Scott. Yes, good morning, Senator. You're uh, my favorite of the bunch, and you've had my vote since before you even announced. So, And I want to thank you for coming on this program. But just a quick aside, my mother's a, a, a farm girl from Lynchburg, so i got a lot of family in Clarendon, Florence, Sumter Counties, and they're all, oh, wow. I'm sure they'll be voting for you as well. Thank you. Well, thank you for your call, and thank you for your very kind compliment. I appreciate your vote as well. I will say, and I said it uh, several times before, but I know America can do for anyone what she's done for me. And that's why I'm bringing an optimistic, positive message anchored in conservatism to the national stage because we cannot lose hope in America. I don't see us as a nation in decline. Under Joe Biden, we are a nation in retreat. The good news is with new leadership, all we have to do is turn it around. The American people are strong, but our government is weak. And that's why I'm excited about what's possible if we just change leadership. Do you, uh, Senator, I give you credit for going on The View, talking to the ladies on The View, because they were, they were attacking you, basically, and, uh, and you get these attacks from people on the left calling you basically an Uncle Tom. How do you respond to this this? these kind of attacks as a, as a black Republican? Well, I, I got to say that those folks who are attacking me are typically cuckoo for Cocoa Puffs, to be honest <laughs> with you. <laughs> I just got to tell you that one of the things I've learned in life is that the more they attack you, the better off I am, because it only means that my narrative, the narrative that is my life story, disrupts the lies of the radical left. The chance of success in this nation won't be determined by the color of your skin, but it is going to be determined by your character, your talent, and your grit. 
And what we should never tell poor people, especially poor minorities, as this country is somehow racist and will never let you rise to your full potential. I said it before, but that is a lie and a lie from the pit of hell, as we say in the Deep South. And I say that because my grandfather, he had to be an exception. My mama had to be an exception. I'm just the rule of today's America. We've evolved and transformed so far that all things are possible for all kids, even in desperate economic conditions. And for the women of the view to be offensive, disgusting with their comments, and just plain old wrong mm-hmm. is, is, is hard to digest. And so, yes, I get called Uncle Tom. I get called the N-word by liberals. I get called so many things, but I am proud to be the guy that brought tax reform. I wrote the Tax Cuts and Jobs Act with two other authors in the Senate. I'm glad to bring the largest tax cut in the history of the country to the American people because my mama raised me with common sense and conservatism. All right, Senator Tim Scott, South Carolina Senator and United States Presidential Candidate, Thanks so much for being on the Morning Drive today. We really appreciate it, and good luck out on the campaign trail. Thank you very much. Look forward to coming back on the show. Absolutely. Right. Thank you very much, sir. Oh, that was great. I, uh, I just uh, got a lot of fans up here, and we really appreciate that. All right, we're going to take a quick break, and we'll be back on the Morning Drive. This is a Bloomberg Money Minute. The tech rally reversed course yesterday, and stocks tumbled. The Fed Bank of Kansas City's annual gathering in Jackson Hole is underway. Chair Jay Powell leads the speaker lineup with a keynote speech this morning. Investors will be paying close attention for clues on the outlook for interest rates. A new survey finds that while truck drivers generally enjoy their work, almost three-quarters say the job is both physically and emotionally stressful. DAT Freights and Analytics also found that just over half of truck drivers spend less than 24 hours a week at home. About two-thirds cook meals in their truck between two to six days a week. And about two-thirds of truckers sleep six hours or less per night. Buy now, pay later may not be as popular as it was during the pandemic, but a firm reported an increase in transactions versus a year ago. The company has been signing deals with new merchants.